All right, welcome back to True Crime Trine. It is a podcast where three friends get together, talk about true crime, talk about astrology, talk about other weird bullshit, whatever they can fit into this podcast. We are your host, Hannah. And Meredith. Sarah's not here again. I was really counting on Sarah to be my <laughs> sub tonight, which is kind of unfortunate for me, but we'll be fine, guys. We'll be fine. This is episode 85. I finally get episode 85 because I wrote a script for 85 <laughs> oh, yeah. that was 84, so now I, I do get 85. You do get 85, so blessings upon you. Woohoo! Housekeeping. Is your house dirty? Is mine? Mine's a fucking. I want to talk about it. Look at all that laundry. (laughs) Holy mother Uh. of God. We had a snowstorm up here. And so today was a snow day. And it was fine because I can work from home. But the power went out and then I couldn't work for a little bit. But thankfully it was short lived and the power came back on. But snowstorms and me are not best friends. I don't love it. No. Yeah, but I do have housekeeping. So I checked analytics today and our New York listenership is up. So thank you, New York. Oh, I'll try to stop shit talking New York City. I've never actually been. It's amazing. It seems dirty. It is, but like you just have to be okay with that. Also, I have some very exciting news specifically for Hannah. For me? You got fan mail. What? No fucking way. Really? Yeah. Oh my God. This is really good. This is the perfect kind of tell me this. Right? Ah, I'm very stressed out. So how's, how, how am I doing? You're doing great. So Ooh. we got an email that had Hannah in the subject line. Oh, I'm so happy. I finally got something. It's from our friend, Stephanie. She called herself. Deb Tractor Stephanie. Oh my god! Oh my god! Hi! I will join the group again in 2023. And she wanted to let us know that she loves our podcast and it was her top podcast of 2022. Oh my god! And she looks forward to many more episodes and she sent us some amazing pet photos of her puppy and her sphinx cat. Yes! Ah, they're so adorable. So thank you, Stephanie, so much for listening. Thank you. I miss you guys. I've been really stressed out. I've dropped a lot of communications, but uh, that was so sweet. Yeah. And I'm just in love with her cat. He's so wrinkly. Or she. I don't know. I I can't tell. They're like so weird about the fur It's not what I expect them to look like shaven. But they're so cute. But they're so wrinkly and like ridiculous i still have never seen a sphinx cat in person so i do have questions about if you're petting a sphinx cat does it feel like just petting a person or does is there something (laughs) there to make it more like an animal (laughs) but you know we'll see a sphinx cat either so i don't know but maybe we can find a cat cafe sometime that has a sphinx cat 
that we I've can been to pet. one that did not have a sphinx cat. I have, I guess, a little tiny bit of housekeeping. Okay. You will now be able to identify my dead body because I got a tattoo. <gasps> Yay! Yay! It's a dead mouse. <laughs> when did you get it? Yesterday. Let's see. Oh. It's hard to do this. Oh, it's, it's a dead so mouse. Cool. It's so cool. It's so well. Done. I'll send you a picture, actually. That'll yeah. Better, but that's beautiful. She did a really good job, and I got a tattoo. It was totally fine, guys. I can't believe I waited this long. That's amazing. I'm finally my real self. Yay! Oh my gosh, that's so cool. Well, I am so glad that we can now finally identify your dead body if your skin is still attached. Oh my god, and if it is, feel free to cut it off and pass it around the jury box. It's a really nice picture of a mouse. Yeah, it's so cool. Are you ready? I'm ready. This is a what in the actual fuck kind of story. All right, give me something weird. We are headed to Beaumont, Texas, and with a population of over 115,000, it does not qualify as a small town. Want 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 want. <laughs> I do love my small town. I cases. think your like genre is small town. Mm-hmm. Mine is a uh, historical, and if it kills a significant other, I'm into that as well. And Sarah's is Canada and terrible. Yes, <laughs> like so. I mean, so she's bad. great at telling them, but the stories yeah. are horrific. I know. I have to drink a few more when Sarah's presenting. (laughs) Oh, man. So let's, what the actual fuck is happening in Beaumont? So Beaumont is located about 30 miles inland from the Gulf of Mexico on the Neches River. Hopefully I said that right. It was founded in 1838. The economy was developed on lumber and farming and port industries. In 1901, oil was found in the southern area of Beaumont. It was referred to as the Spindletop Gusher, and it blew for nine days, spewing an estimated 100,000 barrels of oil per day, which started the Texas oil boom. Oh, it started in Beaumont? Mm-hmm. All right. Cool, cool. So let's meet Gregory Joseph Flanagan. Great last name. He went by Greg. He was born on December 26, 1954. Greg was born just a few days before our lovely Hannah, so he is also a Capricorn. Fellow Cap. Greg spent many years working as a chief engineer on oceanic vessels, and he would spend months at a time at sea. Super Capricorn. In 1990, Greg and his brother Michael founded OGM Land Company out of Beaumont, Texas. The company provided land acquisition and management services in the oil and natural gas industry throughout Texas. Greg was referred to as a land man. Okay. And he spent most of his working hours on leasing mineral rights from private property owners for the gas and oil corporations. So that's his Honestly, job. that sounds hella boring. It might have been. I don't know. It's profitable for sure. Money isn't everything, kids. But it is something. Well, money pays the bills. I'm going to have a retirement plan in January. Yay! Like start like a little late for a human being to start a retirement. But whatever, it's still happening. Excellent. <laughs> oh, man. I cannot concentrate. Let's keep going. 
So Greg lived with his wife, Susie, in Lafayette, Louisiana, which is just over two hours east of Beaumont. Greg and Susie had been married and divorced when they were very young, but reconciled and remarried okay. on July 10th of 1998. Greg spent the weekdays working in Beaumont and kind of all over Texas, but then spent the weekends with Susie in Lafayette welcoming guests at their B&B. I was going to throw something out here to my ex-husband. Never contact me, please. There's no reconciling. We're not getting married again. Greg was a man who enjoyed life. He was an avid outdoorsman who loved to hunt and fish. He shared his spoils with friends, family, and guests at the B&B. He loved sunsets, reading, and traveling. Okay, I like that part. Greg was described as, quote, a patient man who gave unconditional love and generosity to all who were lucky enough to meet and spend time with him. And this, too, was usually extended to the wandering neighborhood cats or any other stray creature, end quote. Okay, I love that. I hope he's not a murderer. No. Okay. Unfortunately. Well, that means he's the victim, which I wasn't hoping for. Yeah. On Wednesday, September 15th, 2010, Greg checked into the MCM Elegante Hotel, room 348 in Beaumont. He had checked in with Susie before turning in for the night, and Greg spent a lot of time on the road, so he had developed his own nighttime routine. He liked to watch TV, he liked to smoke cigarettes, and he liked to eat candy and snacks. Love it. On this particular night, Greg had purchased a Reese's Crispy Crunchy Bar and a root beer. (laughs) He selected Iron Man 2 for his evening entertainment. All right, we have a food pairing and a movie pairing. We Mm -hmm. don't normally do that. Right? He tried to make popcorn, but the microwave tripped the breaker, causing a power outage to his room as well as the neighboring room. (laughs) Okay. Greg had to call down to the front desk, and a handyman was sent up to fix the breaker. Afterwards, he had changed into his pajama pants and settled into bed to start his evening ritual. The following morning, Susie did not receive a call from Greg, which was weird because he called her every single morning while he was on the road. I thought you said she checked in with him. They talked the night before. Oh, she checked in with him like on the phone, not into the hotel. Oh, yes. Sorry. I should have clarified. He called his wife. I see. Because Susie's running the bed and breakfast back in Louisiana. Okay. Clearly, she was worried because Greg was a man of... Routine, like a Capricorn. Mm Mm-hmm. And he had not called Susie that morning. So she called the office at OGM. No one had heard from Greg that morning, and this was very much out of character for Greg. So two of Greg's co-workers drove to the Elegante Hotel. When Greg did not answer the door, they called for the manager to come up and open it. Mm-hmm. What they found was Greg lying on the floor. He still had a cigarette in his left hand, and the room was stuffy and warm, which was really weird because Greg always ran the air conditioner. Greg's skin was blue-gray, and there was a wet spot on the crotch area of his pajama pants. There was also a one-inch abrasion on his cheek, but no other signs of trauma. So initially, police thought that he may have succumbed to like a heart attack or a stroke. Within the hour, Beaumont Police Detective Scott Apple arrived at the hotel. The room showed no signs of foul play, There had not been a break-in or a struggle. 
Greg's wallet was still in the room. He had about $1,000 in cash in it. The neighboring hotel guests were interviewed, but no one had seen or heard anything unusual. And Susie was shocked to hear the news, but acknowledged that even though Greg was fit, he'd never exercised and he was too stubborn to go to the doctor. That'll get you. And he did smoke. Yeah. He didn't drink alcohol, but he did smoke like a chimney. Greg's body was transported to the Jefferson County Medical Examiner's Office. Dr. Tommy Brown conducted the autopsy. Dr. Brown noted two external marks on Greg's body, that one-inch abrasion on his face and then a half-inch uh-huh. laceration on his scrotum. Ew. <laughs> mm-hmm. no, I mean, not you, but ow? I don't know. Yeah. That's just things to react to. And that laceration left his sack swollen and discolored, and then there was bruising from his groin up to his hip, which seemed odd. Yeah, you think? (laughs) The internal examination would yield much more interesting results. There was a large amount of blood that had pooled into Greg's torso. His intestines were torn. He had lacerations Mm -hmm. on his stomach and his liver, two broken ribs, and his right atrium had burst. That'll do it. Manner of death, homicide. I was say that can, it's definitely not a heart attack. Right? The amount of internal damage was perplexing, though. So they were like, did he get beat up? If so, with That's what? That's like not that much external, like, bruising. There was almost no external bruising or damage. So Dr. Brown contacted Detective Apple, and he indicated that the internal injuries found would be similar to those of a person who had been in a really bad car accident or had been crushed under a heavy object, and he could not explain the lack of external injuries to the body. For the next six months, Detective Apple worked diligently to come up with any sort of evidence or explanation for Greg's death. Nothing really panned out. Greg did not have enemies. Susie was ruled out as a suspect. She had been home in Lafayette. They had the phone records and stuff to prove it. And from what Detective Apple could glean, Greg and Susie were very much in love with each other. His brother Michael and all of his co-workers at OGM were also interviewed. No one had a bad word to say about Greg. And he mostly had kept to himself when traveling. He would head back to his hotel after work. He rarely went out. He never picked up women or got into any sort of fight with anyone. He just kind of kept to himself. Okay. Detective Apple had two running theories, but neither of them had any sort of evidence to support them. So the first was that that handyman. Oh, the handyman. I forgot about him. mm -hmm, May have committed the murder. He did have a record for sexual assault. On middle-aged men? No, but stranger things have happened. So Detective Apple was like, could this have been some sort of weird sex act because the one laceration was to the scrotum? Oh, yeah, there is that. But again, there was no evidence to support any of this. And then the second was the group of men that were in the adjacent room 349. Did they get pissed when Greg blew the breaker and their power went out? And did they have some sort of altercation? Okay, that's a bit much on vacation, but okay. Right. So at this point, Detective Apple kind of hit a brick wall. There was just no evidence to support any reason for anyone to want to murder Greg. He was a good dude. 
In November of 2010, Greg's family offered a $50,000 reward for any information on Greg's murder. And still, nothing came up. Nothing. Nothing. That's a lot of money. Yeah. Susie, frustrated, angry, heartbroken, she contacted a private investigator named Ken Brennan. And Ken was a former New York cop out on Long Island and a former DEA agent. Ken subsidized his retirement by working as a private detective in Florida. Susie had heard about Ken through a friend of the family, and then she read up on him because he had just recently solved a cold case in Miami back in 2005. So she contacted Ken, and he was intrigued by the mystery surrounding Greg's death, and he agreed to take the case. In April of 2011, Ken actually flew out to Lafayette to meet with Susie, and then he traveled to Beaumont and contacted Detective Apple. The pair met, and they agreed to work together, share information, and see if they could figure out this mystery. Ken reviewed all of Detective Apple's case notes, crime scene photos, and the autopsy report, and then Ken asked Detective Apple to accompany him to the Elegante Hotel to take another look at room 348. So what comes next is almost out of a Sherlock Holmes novel. Okay, love them. I will say that I have a crush on Ken Brennan. <laughs> Retired Ken Brennan. Uh, yes. I'm going to put that out there. This dude that's is fine. so cool. I have crushes on a lot of people that I sh- that are whatever. Right? Can I just say, since we're talking about old men, mm-hmm. my crush on Law & Order SVU is not Stabler. It's Detective Munch. Okay. I love him with mm-hmm. all of my fucking heart. Any Munch heads out there, give me an email. <laughs> so they enter room 348 and they start looking around. And Ken looks at Detective Apple and says, quote, I think I know how this guy died. I think I know when he died. I think I know how he died. I think I know who killed him. And I think I know how we're going to catch him, end quote. All right. He knows, thinks he knows a lot. Right? Ken called Susie first because he wanted to verify a few details about Greg. And then he laid out some of his deductions to Detective Apple. So number one, Greg would typically keep the AC on in his room. So the fact that the AC was off and the room was warm helped to fix the time of death as shortly after 8.30 p.m. when the hotel repairman had come up and fixed the breaker. It was likely that the room was cool enough at the time because the AC had been running and it didn't Mm -hmm. take very long to get the power turned back on. So Greg would have turned the AC back on if it had been off for too long. So it's likely that time of death was pretty soon after it had gotten fixed. Okay. Number two, the fact that Greg still had a cigarette in his hand ruled out Greg being attacked somewhere else and then brought back to his room. Yeah, it's a wonder he didn't burn the whole hotel down. And it was also unlikely that given Greg's injuries that he would have been able to light up a smoke after a severe beating. A beating doesn't explain why there wasn't any external injuries, but like even if he was beat up for some reason, like 
it was so bad internally that he wouldn't have been able to smoke afterwards. I might want to smoke, but, you know, since his, like, right atrium was damaged, I assume his lungs were also a little fucked up, too. Yeah. Additionally, Susie confirmed that Greg was right-handed and that he always held his cigarette in his dominant hand. So the fact that the cigarette had been in Greg's left hand meant that he had gotten out of bed, headed towards the door, moving his cigarette from his right hand to his left hand so he could open the door with his dominant hand. Susie knows a lot about her husband's hands. This is Ken's deductions about the scene. Oh, okay. So. None of this was quite making sense since there was no evidence to suggest that Greg was beaten in the room. So who and what had killed Greg was still the big question. Ken knows. Ken was on the right track. The information would come just a little bit later in May 2011. So Ken had inquired about the group of electricians in room 349. So these men were working on a job in Beaumont, but were from Wisconsin. Detective Apple confirmed that he had interviewed them after Greg had been found, but nothing seemed out of the ordinary. Ken told Detective Apple to take another look at the group of men and then specifically to review surveillance from the hotel and then to interview any of their known associates that were still working in Beaumont. Video was found of the men, Tim Steinmetz, and Lance Mueller, along with another co-worker, Trent Pisano. Trent wasn't staying in room 349. He was staying in a different room. But they were coming and going out of room 349. They had made several trips to other hotel rooms, down to the bar, out to their vehicles, back up to the room. So they're just kind of all over the place. Detective Apple contacted some of the co-workers that were still around because these guys had gone home about seven months prior. One of the jobs foreman, Aaron, I'm going to mess this up. I'm going to say Bork. I don't know. B-O-U-R-Q-U-E. I don't know. Bork sounds not wrong. We'll go with that. He had not been questioned at the time of the incident. So... He had indicated that he heard something that night. He was in a different hotel room, not in the one that with Trent, but in another one, because there was like a pretty big group of guys that were out there. But he said he heard something that sounded like a gunshot that night. Cool. Ken and Detective Apple immediately went back to the Elegante Hotel to inspect both room 348 and room 349. They scoured room 348 when Ken noticed a small indentation in the wall near the bolted door that led to room 349. So it's one of those hotels that Um, have an adjoining room if you need it. Otherwise, it's bolted and locked. Yeah. It looked like maybe the handle of the door had caused the mark, but when Ken opened the door, the indentations did not line up. So they went over to room 349 and Ken found a hole that had been patched with toothpaste. That's how I have patched all my holes in all of my <laughs> old apartments. Colgate. <laughs> it works, guys. I mean, not right now, apparently. <laughs> Crime scene technicians used trajectory lasers to determine that the hole in room 349 and the indentation in room 348 did line up perfectly. And the point of contact would have been where Greg had been sitting on the bed. Oh, so he wasn't getting up to go, like, answer the door. No. He was getting up to get help. Ah, ah, with a cigarette. Ken said, quote, 
this motherfucker was shot. End quote. Thanks, Ken. Okay, I start, I'm starting to love Ken as well. Just be still my beating heart. The this more I read about Ken, I'm like, God love Ken. I'm just going to put that out there. So the problem was that in order to take any of these theories to court, right, they had one big issue, and that was the medical examiner's report because it did not say anything about a bullet or a bullet wound. It did say homicide, didn't it? It did say homicide. You're missing an entry and an exit wound or a bullet if there is no exit wound. Exactly. So... They went back to the medical examiner's office and they were like, look, this is this is what's going on. And Dr. Tommy Brown was like, "Uh uh-uh, I don't agree. And at this point, we can't prove it because Greg's been cremated. Well, that'll fuck it up. (laughs) Right. So Ken, ever persistent, told Dr. Brown, hey, let's take a look at. The autopsy photos all together, all three of us, him, Detective Apple and Dr. Brown. He's not going to give this up. He's like, no, we're, we're doing this. <laughs> so Dr. Brown would kind of begrudgingly reexamined the photos with them. And they're looking through all of these. And it became clear, at least to Ken and Detective Apple, that the bullet had entered through Greg's scrotum and then ripped around inside of him. So that's why he had so much internal damage. And they look at the photos. It made sense. But Dr. Brown was still like, "Mm, maybe, maybe not, maybe, maybe not. But when they got to the photo of Greg's heart, it became very clear that his atrium had not burst, but that it was a bullet hole. And as Ken put it, quote, that's a bullet hole, Doc. That's a fucking bullet hole, end quote. (laughs) Oh, Ken. Dr. Brown examined the photos more closely, hung his head, and agreed. All right. He, you know, admitted it. Right? So what the fuck actually happened? What is going on? (laughs) So Ken and Detective Apple took off to interview the electricians at the Chippewa County Sheriff's Department in Wisconsin. On June 1st, 2011, Lance Mueller and Tim Steinmetz were questioned separately. Their stories jived, at least for a little while. While interviewing Steinmetz, the pair went through mostly routine questions. Ken made Steinmetz read his statement out loud and then make any applicable changes before signing it. Steinmetz then stood up, more than ready to get out of this interrogation room. And that's when Ken's friendly demeanor turned much colder. Fucking Ken, man. Simon said, is that it? Ken said, hang on a second. It was until you signed that statement because now you've got a problem. Simon said, okay. Uh, Ken said, question mark. Tell us what happened because we know what happened. Because now you're going to go to jail with him. Do you want to go to jail with Lance? Was he just fucking with him? Or did Lance actually say something? Just wait. Okay. This is the prisoner's dilemma. I know. Steinmet said, why am I going to jail with Lance? Right? And Ken Fuck said, Lance. because you just made a false police report. That's why. And pointed to Steinmet's signature on the document. 
it did not take very long for Steinmetz to flip. His statement was also corroborated later that day when they interviewed Trent Pisano. Oh, the the friend that was popping in and out? Yeah. The men had been drinking. Mueller had told Pisano to go out to his car and get an extra bottle of whiskey and his 9mm pistol. That's a drunk thought. Mm Mm-hmm. When Pisano returned to room 349, he handed the booze and the gun to Mueller. They didn't see the gun on, like, the video? Intoxicated and clearly not making great life choices... Mueller began to point the pistol at his friends. Nope, 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 nope. Steinmetz actually dropped to the ground and was like, what the fuck, dude? You need to fucking stop. And then Mueller pointed the gun at Pisano and it went off. (gasps) Everyone freaked out. Pisano turned around to see a hole in the wall. He had thought, like, he had been hit at first. And then he's like, what the fuck is going on? He got pissed. I would get so fucking pissed. I would beat the oh, shit yeah. out of this Mueller motherfucker. But Pisano was just like, fuck you. I'm out of here. So he left and he went back to his room. Mueller bundled the gun and then hid it in his jacket and ran back out to his car. I probably sobered up pretty, pretty fast. Pretty quick. Yeah. <laughs> then Mueller and Steinmetz went downstairs to the hotel bar. None of the men went to room 348 just to see if anyone was injured. They did, however, take the time to patch the bullet hole in their room. Cannon Detective Apple convinced Steinmetz to call Mueller while they were being recorded. And let's just say Mueller was none too pleased when Tim told him that he had told the detective and the private investigator the truth about the gun. Honestly, fuck you, Tim. You pointed that gun at me. Right? Yeah. Lance. Lance. Oh, Lance's... Lance pointed the gun Ah, at Tim. Yeah. So Mueller then proceeded to get super fucking drunk, because that's a great life choice. it's worked well in the past. And then he actually called Ken, because Ken had given him his card. (laughs) Okay. And was trying to provide, like, an explanation. Oh, my God. Ken replied, quote, you're drunk. I suggest you call your fucking attorney, end quote. (laughs) Uh, I seriously love this dude. I know. He's amazing. Mueller was arrested in June, but posted bail. And so he was actually was in Wisconsin for a period of time. But on September 25th of 2012, Mueller returned to stand trial in Beaumont, where he pleaded no contest to the charge of manslaughter. On October 16th of 2012, Judge Lane Walker sentenced Mueller to 10 years. And according to the assistant district attorney, Clint Woods, Mueller may have received a lighter sentence, but he got a DUI while he was on bail in Wisconsin. Oh my God. Again, not oh great my God, choices. Dude. Mm-hmm. You need to stop drinking. Ain't you might be a fucking alcoholic. Yeah, there's an issue here. I that's say as I'm strikes. looking for my drink and it's <laughs> I got gone. my gigantic beer, but like, <laughs> but that's three strikes, okay? I have zero strikes. Yeah, see? So I tried to do some more research. Texas Department of Criminal Justice, their like search database thing is not really very easy to use and sounds about right. It's not fruitful. So 
But he could be out. And he most likely is. So what I was able to find was that he was eligible for parole starting on November 11th of 2013. So just like a year. I can honestly see them letting him out early. Right. And it appears that he was released in sometime in 2016. So he did end up serving like, I don't know, four years. As a give parole or take a little board bit. member, I would have been a little appalled by the DUI. Right. And that would make me want to keep him in prison a little longer. Yeah. Hopefully he would be sober, but they do make Pruno in jail. So I guess yeah, he's I probably think... drinking that. Nope, he's probably, yeah. Lance Mueller... He was born on January 10th of 1963, so he was also a Capricorn. So we <laughs> Damn, had... we, got a, we got a stupid one. Mm-hmm. But clearly, Greg was the evolved and wonderful Capricorn, while Mueller was just a fucking douchebag. I mean, maybe I, he does kind of sound like an alcoholic, which trumps mm-hmm. the stars. Yes, yes, it does. But that is my what in the actual fuck story for you. I hate it. I know. I know. It sucks. I fucking hate it. It fucking sucks. Oh, my God. Like, I hate the bystander ones the most, I I know. Yeah. But what it has given me is a new crush. And now I'm going to look back and see what other cases Ken has solved. So. I mean, he solved a cold case in Florida in 2005 or whatever you said. Right? Right? So I'm going to do some research on my favorite PI. 2023, I'll get back on the website. So maybe there'll be a picture of Ken. Ooh. Ooh. There'll definitely be a picture of Munch. Yeah. And there <laughs> should be a picture of your tattoo. Yes. It's such a good tattoo, guys. It's so amazing. But like I said, that is what I have for you this week. It's fucked up, but it introduced me to Ken. And so for that, I am very pleased. I do have a little bit of astrology for you this week. So this episode is going to air on Monday, December 5th, if I can get my shit together this weekend. I'll still be a PhD student, grad student (laughs) bullshit. So Tuesday, December 6th, Mercury in Sagittarius will be square with Jupiter in Pisces. It's going to be super important to be realistic on Tuesday. People will be operating with ulterior motives and they are going to be trying to take advantage of you. And also, Mercury enters Capricorn. So, oh, that's great for my thesis, actually. Uh huh. Our communication for the rest of the year is going to be practical. It is going to focus on business, careers, and any other looming responsibility. I will say my biggest weakness as a writer is my desire to be super, super fucking clear. So I use a lot of parentheses and a lot of commas and a lot of like, which means this, which means this, and that means this, thus. And I'm like, okay, this whole paragraph is one sentence. I need, I'm sure my boss will trim those down for me. I just want to make sure everyone knows what's happening. And then on Wednesday, December 7th, We are getting a full moon in Gemini. You are welcome. Because this is a fucking anxious as shit moon. No, I'll be like fucking around citations on Wednesday. (laughs) I can imagine myself like formatting issues. We will be reflecting on the past year. I don't want to do that. 
We're probably going to get a little bit angry. So it's important to remember to focus on letting shit go no. instead of harnessing the negative energy. Like Spotify Wrapped came out this week mm-hmm. and there's a meme going on. And it was like, oh, yeah, Spotify rap. What got played the most this year was you. And I was like, hmm, rap. Yeah. Also a bunch of emo shit, but also me. <laughs> Also, the sun in Sagittarius will be opposition with Mars in Gemini. So we will be extra, extra with some really competitive and aggressive energy. I'm going to be frustrated. Yeah. Feelings are going to get hurt. And it is important to filter our mouths, particularly at work. I imagine myself working from home most of this next week just to get all this shit together. With my dual monitor, like, set up, it's way better here, but... Yeah. Well, the nice thing for me is that that's my fuck-off day at work. So we get one fuck-off day during the holidays granted by our lovely boss. And okay. my coworker and I are going Christmas shopping. Oh, that's lovely. I love that. Yeah. It's going to be a really I was nice just day. thinking, actually... Because it was just Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. and like you get Thursday and Friday off, Thursday being Thanksgiving, they really should give you Wednesday off too. Because for the people that prep for Thanksgiving, need that time. And most people take that day off. Like our work is really a ghost town when it comes to holidays. But I mean, if you're in the service industry or stuff like that, it's hard to get any time off. I don't celebrate the holiday at all, but I feel like. If I was trying to put together a Thanksgiving, I would like Wednesday off as well. Clean my oh, house. Yeah. Like, you know, like there's a bunch of shit you need to. I might get a maid, by the way. <laughs> oh, excellent. I keep asking my husband to get a girlfriend that does a little light cleaning. <laughs> oh, I need to get a girlfriend that does a little light cooking. <laughs> but anyways, back to astrology. Friday, December 9th, Venus and Sagittarius is going to be square with Jupiter and Pisces. This is not a bad square. It's not bad. Because it's also Sarah's exit seminar that day. The key to this aspect is not to overindulge. We were going to get fucking drunk that night. Okay, well. Because I will also, that's the day I need to submit my thesis by too. (laughs) It's a big day. It's a huge day, but just try not to like, have that one extra too many or be very responsible and hydrate in between. I'm great at hydrating and I already asked if the guest room at her house would be open for me. Excellent. Friday is going to be a really great day to socialize. And then also great. Venus enters Capricorn on Friday. Oh yeah. You're going to get a practical gift like socks. Uh-huh. Love you. Our hearts are going to be focused on finances and other practical matters. And we're going to be looking for loyalty, reliability, and maturity in all of our relationships for the next four weeks. Or the rest of my life. Well, there's that. When I was getting my tattoo done, there was another woman in there talking to my tattoo artist and like she's in this like relationship but like it's not a real relationship but Mm -hmm. like he brought her to his family's Thanksgiving. It was weird. And my artist was like you know you know just try to have like fun with it or something i'm like and i realized i never have fun with anything i always put a lot of future on everything that i do so you need to let loose a little bit and just have a great time (laughs) 
<laughs> Capricorn is like dead silent on that part. <laughs> or just like not have any annoyances around me. That's true. Yeah. But it sounds like Friday might be a good day to go out and oh, just socialize, are- have a great time. That will be a great day. The lab's going out for sure. Sarah's exit seminar will be at four. And, okay. And I, I'm hoping I'll have my thesis submitted before Friday. Just to not to worry about it at all. But you're like, boom, early, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> you thought you got me when you told me a last Monday to write something? <laughs> you don't got me. I can, I'm a Capricorn, bitch. You're like, challenge fucking accepted. Accepted. And now we'll be done. <laughs> Honestly, blessing in disguise. Excellent. Well, I'm super excited for both of you guys next Friday. If you would like to send well wishes to Hannah and Sarah as they are completing these big, huge deals and will be doctor peoples come Friday, or you want me to send you their Venmo so you can send them drinking money, hit us up. You can reach us on Twitter at True Trine, on Instagram at True Crime Trine, Facebook, we're at TCT Podcast. You can email us directly at truecrimetrine at gmail.com. Keep like emailing with Hannah in the, like, uh-huh. I mean, only nice things. Yeah. Honestly, you can send me some shit, too, and I'll just make fun of you. Yeah. <laughs> and then you can check out our website, www.truecrimetrine. Don't do that yet. <laughs> 2023 is my year, guys. Okay. Uh, Bye. Bye. Music for our podcast was handcrafted by the talented and creative minds of Mike Warren and Pete Ortega. Our artwork was imagined and skillfully designed by the lovely Sarah Guest. As for production, well, they call me post-production. Show notes are available upon request. Just email truecrimetrine at gmail.com. Join us again next week for another tantalizing episode.